You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to visit with Jared Bell of USA Today. Spotlight the key matchups in Week 11 with NFL first and goal analyst Nick Ferguson and former NFL quarterback Aaron Murray. Plus, we'll provide your fantasy fix. And Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with NFL Hall of Famer Warren Moon. Warren, thanks so much for taking the time. How are you today? I'm great, Brian. How are you? Hey, Cordell, how you doing, my man? How you doing, sir? How's everything? I can't complain. I'm still hungry, but uh, I'm still I'm holding out. Yeah, you're holding out. I tell you what, uh, you might have to have your quarterback hold out too because he's he's getting beat up, beat up pretty bad, and he's not getting the help that I think he needs, especially when it comes to the backfield. He's the leading rusher on the team. What can he do to make the backfield a little bit better and give him some help? Well, we got to keep a healthy person back there. That's That's been our biggest problem this year. You know, Eddie Lacy right now, who we were counting on at the beginning of the year, he's banged up. He's got a bad groin, missed the last couple of ball games. Uh, C.J. Procise, who we really were counting on coming into the season, has been in and out of the lineup, and he, now he's out on IR. Uh, Thomas Rawls has been in and out of the lineup with injuries, and uh, we just signed a kid by the name of Mike Davis off of our practice squad. And, of course, our leading rusher, um, uh, uh Golly, I'm, I'm banking on his name right now. Chris uh, Chris Carson got hurt. Chris Carson, yeah. he He's out for the season with a broken yeah. ankle. So we just haven't had a, a healthy back back there to uh, to really be that, that guy that just carries a load. And then our offensive line has been in flux as well just because of injuries. So that, that's been the biggest reason why we haven't run the ball that well. And the only consistent on our offense has been Russell Wilson in our receiving core. So the strength of our team right now is throwing the football, but we still need to get our running game going somehow, some way, because we've got to be a little bit more balanced going down the stretch. And Warren, based on what you just laid out, if we're talking MVP consideration, Carson Wentz deserves to be the front runner at this stage of the season. But where are you slotting Russell Wilson in that conversation? He's got to be mentioned because I think he does more percentage-wise for his football team than, say, Carson Wentz does, even though Carson's having a great year. But he, I think he's got a little bit better supporting cast right now, uh, especially with the with the running part of it. But uh, both of those two guys are playing excellent football for their, for their teams. Uh, Carson's team has the best record right now, which is always important in the MVP race. But, you know, we're right there in our division. We're a, kind of a half game behind the Rams because they're one game up on us uh, as far as games being played, but we we have that one win against the Rams, and we get them again later on this season up in Seattle. So we're in good shape if we just keep winning. Give me your give me your give me the status on Cam Chancellor and not knowing for sure because of the next neck injury. Excuse me, if he's going to be playing against the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, that's just one of those things. Uh, if you've ever had a stinger, it's a very painful injury, and you just have to wait on that pain to go down. And they also took some other tests to make sure it isn't anything any more serious than that because Cam's a very physical player, and he's he's put his time in this league over the last six years or so, and he's taken a lot of punishment on his body. So they want to make sure it's not something that's a, a long-term thing. But uh, if he's not practicing, say, by um, – by Saturday, by tomorrow, then I would start worrying about him being able to play. But right now, when you have that type of injury, you just want to give it a rest and let it heal before you start banging on it again. 
Chatting with the Hall of Famer Warren Moon, game analyst, Seahawks Radio Network. Warren, unfortunately, we have to talk about another highly significant injury. Richard Sherman means so much to this football team on and off the field. How do the Seahawks try to hold the defense together without him for the rest of the season? Yeah, that's that's going to be a huge one because we've never not had uh, Richard Sherman at our disposal. He hasn't missed a game since he's been here. Uh, he's a leader on the team. He's a very vocal, um, inspirational type player as well. And then he's one of the best corner guys and cover guys in the league. So when you lose that from your defense, you're losing a lot. And uh, we do have capable players, but with Richard, sometimes we could shut down one side of the field. A lot of quarterbacks just didn't want to throw to his side of the field, so that really made it easier to play defense on the other side of the field. Now our our, our field becomes a little bit more balanced. I'm sure people will pick both sides. Even though we have an experienced corner um, over on the other side in Jeremy Lane, he's not Richard Sherman. Yeah, he's not Richard Sherman, but you also have Earl Thomas with the hamstring injury. I mean, there's a ton of injuries on this team that's that can really cause this team to to maybe sputter down the way. But obviously, you know you need number three to be Hercules to really come out and get it done. But when you see a team like the Rams that's hitting on all cylinders within this division, how do you find a way to at least try to hold on as long as you can to get as many guys back on the football field that you possibly can? Well, we have that next up uh, mentality that the next guy's got to step up and play. And just like Riley McDougal came in and has played for uh, Earl Thomas the last couple of weeks and has done a really good job, but Earl will be back this week. So Earl could have played last week if, if they really, really needed him to, but because of the short week playing on the Thursday, they went ahead and rested him another game. And uh, I think that was good for him because now he comes back with a, a 11 more days of rest off of that, that hamstring. So, it's good to have him back because he covers up a lot, especially when you have a, a new corner out there now for Richard. Um, it's going to be vital for uh, for Earl to be out there because he can make up for so many mistakes in that back end. So it's good to have him back. Warren, let's head around the league. Deshaun Watson wore your old-school Oilers jersey prior to a Texans game, and you were in the broadcast booth for the Seahawks radio network calling that incredible game between the Texans and the Seahawks in Seattle. How impressed were you by what Watson achieved before he got hurt this year? I was really, uh, really proud of him and a little bit surprised that he came on so quickly. I knew that he was going to have a, a good career. I knew at some point he was going to get on the field this year, being a, you know, being a high-round draft pick. I didn't think it would be in the first game. Um, you know, after uh, Tom Savage got sacked, I think six or seven times in the first half, they went to Deshaun in the second half, and he hasn't looked back since. But it's amazing how much he was able to do. And I got to give uh, Bill O'Brien, their their uh, coach, a lot of credit for changing some of the things that they did offensively to to make uh, Deshaun be more comfortable with some of the things he did in college. And I think that's one of the reasons he was having so much success to go along with those weapons around him. And it's just a shame that he had to have that injury that puts him out for the year because he was headed to being probably rookie of the year and maybe offensive player of the year the way he was playing because he kept getting better each and every week. But he's going to have a tremendous career, and, and uh, he'll work hard from his injury, and, and he'll get back on the field. And, and again, they got a lot of young weapons on that team to build off of. Jimmy Graham has finally become that imposing tight end that he needed to be, especially in the red zone. How big has it been lately uh, to know that you can throw the ball to him in a certain area, especially at the highest point, to know that he'll end up coming down with it because of the lack of size by these linebackers and some safeties that are trying to cover him? Yeah, him and Russell are finally starting to develop that trust um, and knowing how to throw the football to him. 
also had a tough time trying to throw, you know, a back shoulder throw or or a very high throw, which is what I call a a good bad ball. You know, sometimes you don't want it to be a perfect ball. You want it to be a bad throw, but it's a bad throw that you expect it to throw because you're throwing it in his catch radius. And Russell had a tough time doing that, but now he's starting to figure it out how to throw the ball to to Jimmy and take advantage of his uh, his his vertical leaping ability and also his catch radius. And now they're starting to have success in the red zone, a place that they had really struggled his first couple of seasons. Warren Moon is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Warren, because you played for Minnesota, my final question is about the muddled quarterback situation for the Vikings. Now, in fairness, Case Keenum is putting up very good numbers. We're going to learn more about him against a rugged Ram defense on Sunday. But do you envision Teddy Bridgewater playing again at some point before we're done with this season? I think it all depends on how Case continues to play. You know, Case is playing well right now, so you got to go with the guy who's playing well, and and you just don't know uh, how Teddy's going to do because he hasn't played football in over a year. And 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 to put him into a you know a playoff race, having played at at this type of speed or whatever, it's a tough situation to put a backup quarterback in. But if you have to put him in because your your starter isn't playing well, then you have to go to that. But right now, Case Keenum is playing well enough to keep that job, and you know that you have Teddy Bridge. Water uh, behind him, which makes your quarterback uh, tandem pretty strong in this league. So I would stay with what they've been doing. Uh, they're one of the hottest teams in the league right now in case playing well. And you know you have uh, Teddy Bridgewater in your back pocket if you need him. Seattle has to play against the Rams. When the Rams come in town, do you think that at that time they'll have enough to be able to beat that Rams football team? Because i got to be honest with you, Warren, that, that is – that is a good football team defensively, offensively. They're extremely creative. And Jared Goff is playing like he's supposed to be playing as if he was the number one player and quarterback taken in his draft. Yeah, but we held him to 10 points in L.A. So uh, we know how to play against you know good offensive football teams. And they have a very tough stretch coming up. They've got some tough games. They play the Vikings this week. They've still got to play Philadelphia. They've got uh, you know a number of tough games on their schedule before they even play us again. So we'll see what they're really made of when they get into the meat of their schedule. But they are playing well, like you said, on both sides of the ball. And they've always been a good football team on defense and have had some offensive weapons, but they just haven't had a quarterback over the last three years. But Jared Goff is is really playing well right now, being protected very well. And that's the key for a young quarterback. If you can protect him and give him a chance to look down the field, he's he's, uh, gifted enough to get the ball to his receivers, and he's got some good skilled people. Warren, thanks so much for being generous with your time again. And I heard what you said at the start of the conversation. Cordell shook it off. I understand what I'm still hungry means. I'll make sure that Cordell Stewart finally buys you that dinner when we get together at the Super Bowl <laughs> in Minnesota. I'll take care of it, Warren. All right. Hey, Warren. I appreciate it, Brian. Hey, Warren, uh, and, Warren. And Cordell knows that uh, we'll get, we're going to get together when the time is right for both yeah. of us, and we'll break that bread and we'll have a good time. He's he's just trying to run all. He's just trying to run away from that Case Keenum conversation because he can't believe that Case Keenum is playing that good right now. Well, I no, want to talk to a Hall of Famer, Warren Moon, not Case Keenum. You know, We're talking about the best of the best here. He, he, can't, he can't believe it, Warren. I'm telling you, he can't, he, he's he's driving him nuts right now. Case Keenum. I can't, I can't I believe it either. I watched him the last two years with the Rams, so he, yeah. he's playing well right now. You got to go with a guy while he's hot, but at some point, maybe Case Keenum comes back. Yeah. Thank you, Warren. Leave it to the Hall of Famer <laughs> to give us clarity. Enjoy your weekend. Have a great call on Monday night. All right, guys. Thank you. Take care. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And we'll be right back with more after this. Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Goal, exclusively on TuneIn Premium. Touchdown! 
from week one to week 17. Jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game. We'll have home calls as teams are threatening to score. Fake it to block. Brady tosses. Touchdown! Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. Is a touchdown. Catch NFL first and goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern, only on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, as we welcome in Jared Bell from USA Today. Jared, thanks so much for taking the time. How are you doing today? Oh, pretty good, Brian. Cordell, how are you guys? We are doing well and looking forward to talking about the top stories with you. So let's start in New York. As you know, Ben McAdoo got the vote of confidence from giant ownership this week. Does that suggest to you there's a small chance, perhaps, if the Giants do something down the stretch, he could hang on for one more season? Because if you're a supporter of McAdoo, and I think it's time for a change, but his backers would point out this team has been decimated by injuries. Yeah, I guess there is hope. But you know what happens a lot of times with votes of confidence? It really just kind of delays the inevitable, right? Um, so as you put it, Brian, if, if they finish strong down the stretch, maybe you, you've got a shot. But you think about kind of how good they were last year, and you figured that you just build on the success you had last year, especially with the defense. Um, that you'd be ready to take the next step. And there have been a lot of disappointing teams in the NFL this year. But I think, as you put it, (laughs) this is the biggest of all. Yeah, you talk about how good a team was last year. Well, the Cleveland Browns hadn't been good in a very long time. Um, Right now, Hugh Jackson sits at 1-24. How do you fix that problem that they have, uh, considering all the moves they tried to make to build this team? Yeah, you know, and it's tough, Cordell, because if you remember when they hired Hugh Jackson last year, Jimmy Haslam, the Browns owner, kind of doubled down, and not only in hiring Hugh Jackson and in, you know, revamping the front office with, you know, Sashi Brown as a GM, Paul D. Podesta as the, you know, the, the analytics guru, and so Haslam pretty much said at that time. Hey, I'm going. To, I'm going to stick with this, right? And you know, we're going to go through the lumps, and we're going to, you know, have some stability here. Because if you look around the AFC North, Cordell, you know the Steelers. I mean, right. they've had what, you know, two coaches in your lifetime. Okay? Pretty much, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Baltimore Ravens uh, with Harbaugh and Brian Billick. You go back twenty something years. Cincinnati, Marvin Lewis has been there. The only person who I think has been on the job longer in the NFL as a head coach than Marvin Lewis is Bill Belichick, right? So stability is the way it goes in that division. So to have him to come out and make that statement when when he hired you, I mean, that was a strong thing and a vote of confidence and all of that. But now do you stick with that? I mean, do you say, well, I was wrong in saying I'm going to stick with it. And I wonder if there's going to be a, a split in terms of where the blame and where the area of need is going to be determined. When I say area of need, I mean um, the the football brain power. And so I, I'm wondering if there's going to be a split between the front office and Hugh Jackson because Hugh Jackson has said a few things uh, or a few things have been attributed to him in recent weeks that kind of suggest a distance between the football operations people and the coaching staff and the front office. 
which, you know, Sashi Brown had no experience as a GM or personnel guy, really, before he got that job. Paul D. Podesta is a baseball guy with baseball numbers, so you always wondered how that was going to work, and it does not look good. They got a bunch of draft picks, though. Yeah. And, and their scouts did not like Carson Wentz, and we know how that worked out comparatively <laughs> oh between Philadelphia and Cleveland. Chatting with Jared Bell, USA Today. Jared, you referenced Marvin Lewis, who's one of the most respected individuals in football. He's been a guest on this show many times. He pointed out when I brought up the contract situation, four times in his career he's gone into the final deal of having to win – in that last year of a contract, and coming back for another year. So I'm not counting Marvin out, but considering what Cincinnati's failing to do, more discipline issues, Vontez perfect, whether he deserved to be ejected or not, was ejected last week on the road in Tennessee. Do you think this could be finally Marvin's last year in Cincinnati? Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. It's like Marvin Lewis, you, you never really want to count him out. And part of the reason why is because Mike Brown, the Bengals owner runs, you know, an old school family operation, if you will. I mean, so many of these NFL teams are, um, you know, so corporate and kind of how they, they are structured. But the Bengals go back to, you know, Mike Brown being the owner and the essential GM. And, um, you, you know, so there's a connection there. And, and I know his philosophy, as I mentioned with the other teams in, the, in that division, you know, he likes to have a little stability. But the optics don't look good for Marvin Lewis when there are, you know, issues with Burfick in particular, but, you know, even a couple other situations that popped up um, that that make you wonder, hey, if someone else was in charge, if they would handle some of these things differently. But I'm not ready to jump and say Marvin Lewis is going to be gone, but it has been, uh, yeah, you throw them on a heap of disappointing teams. Because one thing about the Bengals, if you go back over the last, you know, four, five, six years, they've they've been a really talented team and had a lot of talent, a lot of depth in a lot of different places, and that usually was enough for them to, you know, get into the playoff picture, but that hadn't happened this time. You talked about a playoff picture picture, excuse me, the Buffalo Bills since ninety nine hadn't gone and, and looked like they may have a chance considering the last two games they lost make you wonder, but they're five and four and yeah. they're sitting second in the division. How do you justify the Nathan Peterman move, which was a fifth-round draft pick? And uh, can he come in and make this a little bit better considering their schedule with two games in Miami? You have Indy. You have New England. You got the Chargers <laughs> up next. How does that work? Hey, Cordell, you being a former quarterback, okay, mm-hmm. you know how tough it is for a quarterback to play run defense, <laughs> right? Right, so, right, right. Tyrod Taylor couldn't do it. I'm wondering if Nathan Peterman can get over there and play some <laughs> linebacker and help stop the run. Right. Because if you look at what, what happened these past two weeks, I mean, their run defense got gassed. And, you know, when that happens, it, it not only can, you know, pile up the yards, it controls the clock, but it also can demoralize a team as well, especially the defense. But then you put your offense in the hole. Um, that's not to, to give, you know – to give a pass to Tyrod Taylor, but I thought the move was way premature. And I thought that, you know, for McDermott, a couple things bothered me about the way it went down. One, he came out on Sunday and said, this is my guy. I'm sticking with him. Okay. And then two days later, you make the change, right? So that doesn't look good. Okay. 
Um, and then you sit there and you say, okay, I'm not a five and four coach. It's not a five and four team, which, okay, I, I feel you on that. But it looks like you're blaming Tyrod Taylor for five and four. Now, Tyrod Taylor could be better, but Tyrod Taylor doesn't stop the run and, you know, wasn't the, the sole reason why things went bad over these past two weeks. But, yeah, just to kind of see what's happened with them the past two weeks and getting blown out at home and then getting blown out to the Jets, it really made them look like, you know, they were quite the pretender a couple of weeks ago when they were sitting there at, what, five and two. Jerry, let's wrap it up with the time-honored tradition, baseless speculation about big-name broadcasters and college coaches being connected to the Uh-oh. NFL. Are you buying oh, any of the it. rumblings that Jim Harbaugh wants back in and could be carted uh, or courted by Indy and Chicago? Or what about John Gruden leaving Monday Night Football? Yeah, I, I'll I'll say yes and yes. Um, Harbaugh is interesting because, A, he's got a job, and he's at a place where, you know, he, he likes – I mean, he's, he's a Michigan guy. So I, I think he's probably, you know, realizing that, the demands of a college coach are different than an NFL coach. And you mentioned Chicago and Indianapolis as two possibilities, two places where Harbaugh, you know, played. So, um, yeah, I would keep, I would definitely keep abreast of that because, um, you know, the 49ers should have never let him go in the first place, but that's another story. As for Gruden, um, yeah, this comes up all the time, and it's going to come up again until he decides to take a job or not take a job. I think we're getting closer to the point where John Gruden might want to make a decision. And if you know his personal situation, he has a son who is getting towards the end of his high school years. And I'm not sure. I'd have to double-check to see if he's in 11th grade or 12th grade, but he's in the latter half of high school. And you know, if you, you wonder if Gruden would be willing to make a move at some point, I think that might be a factor. I, I really do. And for a guy who um, has been out for a while, he's been able to be recharged, and he's been able to stay close to the game as a broadcaster, I think it's just a matter of time for Gruden. But uh, we'll see if it's this year. But obviously that's where people start when they start saying, okay, we're going to have an opening. What do we want to do? They need to check in with him first to see, hey, are you coming back this year or not? Jared, we love reading your stuff in USA Today. We appreciate you giving us the time to take us around the league here on the NFL on Tune and enjoy the games this Sunday. Okay, I appreciate you guys having me. Thanks a lot. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Hi, this is Ned Coletti from MLB on TuneIn, inviting you to check out my new audio book, The Big Chair, today on TuneIn Premium. The day Frank McCourt made me the 10th general manager in the long, proud history of the Los Angeles Dodgers, November 15th, 2005, was monumental for the Coletti family. I've been blessed to spend the last 35 years in Major League Baseball, all with iconic franchises, the Cubs, the Giants, and the Dodgers, where I was a general manager for nine seasons. In the big chair, I let listeners in on the intricacies of being an executive and a GM of a major sports franchise, share the process behind the trades, free agency, and the deals, shedding some light on how the money and decision-making really works. I'll also take you deep inside some of the thought process behind some of the major decisions that led to success and titles, along with heartbreak and failure. 
If you're a baseball fan, come for the inside and grit. If you're a sports fan, stay for the heart. Catch every exciting chapter of my new audiobook, The Big Chair, today on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Next up on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, we're joined by former NFL safety and NFL first and goal analyst Nick Ferguson. Nick, let's put stats aside. Just think about the eyeball test and roster composition. When you look at what the Steelers have at the receiving core and Le'Veon Bell, do you think it's clear the Steelers have the most offensive weapons in all of football? It is obvious that they do have the most offensive weapons in the NFL. That's why it was really interesting at the beginning of the season. They were struggling the way that they were struggling. And over the past two weeks, we watched that offense struggle. Yes, they put up big numbers. Uh, last night, we, we talked about it on the show yesterday that we expected Ben Roethlisberger to go out with the weapons that he has at his disposal and to light up uh, the night uh, in that secondary for the Tennessee Titans. But uh, let's also you know, take a look at this. Yeah, they, they scored 40 points, but, but it still was a little touch and go in that first and second quarter. They were not putting up uh, the points that uh, we thought that they would early on. But at the end of the day, yes, they accomplished the goal. They won, and they won in big fashion. But I still have my concerns with this team because it's always inconsistency, which is an issue. Now, we know traditionally they run the ball well and they play great defense. But when you struggle against teams that you're supposed to beat, and even though you win those games, that's problematic for me when you look at the team that they are competing against. Uh, it's the New England Patriots who struggle on the defensive side of the ball early in the season but seem to have started to you know, put a string of games together where everything is starting to gel as a team. And you know, at some point these two teams are going to clash, but still there's a lot I, I don't like about what Pittsburgh's doing at this time, even though they won the game last night. When you watch the Tennessee Titans play the way they do, it looks like from watching it, you have the coaching staff that's all Steeler guys, whether it was coaching with the Steelers or playing for the Steelers. It looks as if the blueprint they have in place is similar to what the Steelers used to do, but they're not able to get it done. Do they have any room to make those types of errors as they move forward if they want to be a team that can compete for that division, let alone once they get to the postseason, being one that can compete in it? No, no, Cordell, because you know, just like a lot of teams – uh, for years, try to uh, simulate Tampa two, and it is a very simple defense. But everyone has to be on the same page. You need guys on the front seven that can get after the quarterback, that understand passing routes and know how to drop. It's the same thing with uh, the Tennessee Titans. You may have the formula, but you don't have the players that can run the system. And we've seen that that runs rampant in the NFL. So this is a problem that the Tennessee Titans are going to face especially if Dick LeBeau is still your defensive coordinator, and I like Dick LeBeau, but the Tennessee Titans don't have that personnel to play that same brand of football that the Pittsburgh Steelers play. Now, in the division that they're in, that may work, may work in the division, but when you move outside the division, as we were shown last night by how Marcus Mariota uh, played, he, he rarely makes that many mistakes, but he made so many mistakes uh, last night. And the defensive side of the ball for the Tennessee Titans – not being able to slow down, you know, A.B. You know what type of receiver he is. You have to double him. You have to be smart in your coverage. You have to know when things start to break down, that's where Ben is going to go with the ball. They didn't do that last night, and you can't, I'll say it again, you cannot play chess with checker pieces. And last night, 
The Steelers were playing chess, and the Tennessee Titans were playing checkers. Taking you around the league with a man who provides colorful metaphors, Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety. Nick, looking at the Sunday night football, Philadelphia, the most complete team in the league, best record 8-1, and one. Dallas at 5-4, and four. no Ezekiel Elliott, no Sean Lee, no Tyron Smith. So if Dallas falls to 5-5, five and five, how much confidence do you have that they're going to rebound and make a run for the wild card considering all of the premier teams across the NFC this year? I have no confidence in the Dallas Cowboys at this point. With Ezekiel Elliott out, uh, we were shown last week uh, how valuable he is as a player. And so so often we always hear about uh, the lead quarterback and how that is the most important position in professional sports. And we're talking about football here, but not having Ezekiel Elliott and going down to Atlanta and having Atlanta, you know, have up that barrage of offense that Matt Ryan came out with and see that Dak Prescott couldn't really uh, get anything going from an offensive standpoint because he had no balance. He had no one to give the ball to that can take the pressure off of him. And now, you you know, Ezekiel is not there. You're still missing your, your offensive lineman. And then now Sean Lee, who is pretty much the quarterback of your defense, he gets everyone lined up, and he's a guy who's a sideline to sideline guy. And now you're going in to face uh, Carson Wentz, and the flying high Philadelphia Eagles, who are doing it great on both sides of the ball. So it's going to be really problematic for Jason Garrett and Dak Prescott moving forward. And like you said, you know, you look at the NFC as a whole. You have Philadelphia, New Orleans, Minnesota, and the Los Angeles Rams. It's going to be tough for uh, the Cowboys to even claw into a wild card if they don't get things uh, pretty much together in a big D. You mentioned the Rams, and they have an opportunity to play against the Minnesota Vikings um, this upcoming weekend. Give me your take on the number one offense when it comes to points in the game and one of the top, top three defenses overall in the Minnesota Vikings. If you had to choose a side that would be victorious, they say defense wins championships, but they also say the offensive side bring people to the game. What side would you ride with? Well, being, being a defensive guy, you would think, you know, in this matchup, I will go with the Minnesota Vikings defense. I can't. I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Rams. And it's because uh, as great as Coach Zimmer's defense has shown that they can be, uh, it's that one word that always sticks out. It's inconsistency. They're not doing it on a week-to-week basis. It's just like they pick and choose when they want to do it. And then looking at how Jared Goff, his, uh, his maturation process at this point, and Sean McVay is you know, spreading the ball around. You know, they have so many weapons at their disposal. And sometimes you think as a defense, we'll shut down this one player and then force this quarterback to beat us passing. You can't say that, that no longer with Jerry Goff. He's not a rookie anymore. And having Sean McVay, he is a better quarterback. If you shut down Robert Woods, he's going to go to Sammy Watkins. If you shut down Watkins, they, there's Tavon Austin, and then there's Todd Gurley. There's so many weapons at his disposal that will make it really difficult for a defense to say, we're going to just take this one guy away and force him to beat him with someone else. That's going to be very difficult, but I, I like what the Rams have been doing thus far and, and explosive plays. Cordo. You notice as a quarterback, it's not about the dink and dunk. It's about those splash plays, and it seems every time you watch the Rams, there's like a bevy of splash plays, and and I, I bet you this is going to be this, this is a fun game. And I told B-Webb this the other day because both teams are capable of those splash plays, but I believe more in the Rams and their ability to put up more of those splash plays than Case Keenum. And I'm going to move on. 
You mentioned Case Keenum. It's a Friday. I'm going to stay in a good mood and not do my Case Keenum <laughs> rant to close out the program. Nick Ferguson heard it yesterday. He was filling in for Cordell Stewart, the former NFL safety. Nick, looking ahead to Monday night, this is a very good matchup, intriguing on many levels. Seahawks won't have Richard Sherman. Falcons in Atlanta for the second consecutive year. Go back to last year, that very controversial no-call when it appeared. Sherman committed pass interference, matching up with Julio Jones. How much confidence do you have the Falcons can keep it going after they push the Cowboys around on Sunday? Well, they have to, to, to keep pace with uh, teams like New Orleans and keep their playoff, playoff hopes alive. They definitely uh, have to do that. And when you've seen in the past when the Falcons have played the Seattle Seahawks, they played them well. And unlike the other game they played, I think, a year or two years ago in Seattle, when Seattle was able to close out that game on a very controversial call, uh, deep ball down the middle, Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman, and Julio Jones. That's not going to be the case because Richard Sherman is not playing. Uh, Earl has been nursing a sore hamstring. We don't know if he's going to play kind of questionable. And if he cannot run, that's going to be problematic for that, for that secondary. So this is a prime game for Atlanta Falcons continue to get a two-game winning streak against a team that has caused some issues in the past and team that they match up very well with. So the Falcons and Dan Quinn, they should definitely pull out that game against the Seattle Seahawks. I want to go back to that Minnesota game because I do want to talk about Case Keenum. This is for Brian Weber. I know he hates it, but I got to make sure we understand <laughs> something here. I don't hate anything. Look at, I'm a happy guy. <laughs> in the last two games, Jared Goff, uh, from a passer rating, he's 16th in the National Football League, and Case Keenum is third. What is it going to take, considering how he's played so far this year, for most people to respect that he deserves to be the starting quarterback for this football team until after – he proves that he shouldn't, which I think would be probably at the end of the season. Well, he just have to go out, Cordell, and just you know play his game. I mean, last week we saw him do something that we've never seen him do in his career, and that's throw four touchdowns in one game. And then he came back and threw two ill-advised interceptions, and you know the critics jumped back on him for that. But he has to play within himself. He can't really uh, listen to. Uh, all the hype with people saying how, how great he is or how bad he is as a quarterback. He has to understand that he has them at a point where uh, Teddy Bridgewater didn't really have them as far as a record standpoint, and Sam Bradford didn't do himself. So he has them in a prime spot where they can actually win the division. And I don't think uh, B. Webb agrees with me uh, on that fact, but once again, these are once-in-a-lifetime opportunities. Now when you go from a backup role to a starting role, and knowing as though Teddy Bridgewater has been taking snaps in practice, don't look over your back. Don't look over your shoulder. Look forward. Focus on the game ahead. You have two quality wide receivers and Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. That's what you should be worried about, trying to get them the balls, trying to get those splash plays to make sure that at the end of the game that you emerge victorious. Because so if you start to so think too much about the backup role and what can happen, then yeah. you're susceptible to making mistakes, and you don't want to do that because as soon as you throw too many interceptions, then they're going to stove, shove Teddy Bridgewater back in, and then your days as a starter will be over. Did B. Webb beat you up yesterday on the Case Keenum conversation? I was very relaxed yesterday. You weren't here. <laughs> no, he, he, he definitely was very relaxed, and we definitely kind of uh, calmly – talk through and I try to talk him down off the ledge 
and figure out exactly why <laughs> Off the ledge? he doesn't like Case Keenum. <laughs> Nothing personal. And guys, okay. I'm going to okay. break format because we're going to make all of our picks official in 15 minutes. Fellas, I'm picking Minnesota in this game. Wow. Not because of Case Not Keenum. Not because of Case Keenum. Because of the defense and because they have the ability to run with that offensive line. So, because the audience wow. is always changing. Uh, you said it's say too. Wow. It's huh? not an anti Case Keenum stance. It's that I believe. Okay, really quickly, because I know we only have so much time in this segment. Mm. You choose, you're choosing the Minnesota Vikings defense yes. over what Wade Phillips and Aaron Donald has been able to accomplish so far this season. Yes, because of the, the venue, Rams, Nick, because, because the game's the in defense. Minnesota, and you know that's a cauldron in there. Goff's going to have real issues with communication. Wow, hey, listen, he took it down to like te- 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 technological championship. Who has a better defense? I'm going to go with the Rams. Okay, well, you don't get the pick on this show. You could pick <laughs> yesterday because you were filling in for Cordell. Today, you're merely a guest. Hey, because you are Captain Technology, Nick, what'd you make of Skycam last night? I liked it, although I'm a traditionalist. After a while, I was getting a little bit queasy, but it was a nice novelty. Did you enjoy it last night on Thursday Night Football? Yeah, absolutely. With, with uh, people having these uh, 70... And 60-inch uh, high-def televisions yep. like uh, Cordell uh, watching okay. every week. You uh-huh. know, you need to enhance uh, that game footage by using utilizing things like the, the, the Skycam. So I, I, I like it. Uh, all we need is a camera on the pylon so we can make sure whether the guy got over the pylon or not. So I, I hopefully the league gets to that point. That, that, that's a good one because we know for sure on Sundays we see that all the time. So if we can, if we can implement that one, I think that would make – it feel as if it's a Sunday type of a game. But, hey, trust me, it was good last night. I mean, you had a chance to see hey. it from every angle. They gave the guys up in the booth when it came down to the sky cam. They gave them their love and all the work that they have to put into getting this stuff together so that we as fans and, and, and spectators can watch it from every angle possible. And I thought it was a phenomenal job to see it from the high angle, especially on the first interception. Uh, by Marcus Mariota, where you saw where he was looking, you saw how he was uncomfortable, and he threw off his back foot overthrew the pass to the receiver coming across interception and it caused that team I think one of the interceptions caused the team to actually win that football game so but yep I like this guy Kim too as well Nick you know what real, real quickly I, I would love to see the league uh, advance in technology to put the camera like right on the breastplate of the quarterback so we can get those inside views like inside the huddle or those that look from down on the field. I would love to see that at some point in the NFL. It is coming. Let's wrap it up with one of the more intriguing storylines that we'll be tracking, Nick, amongst the three late games. What do you think Nate Peterman is going to bring when he makes his starting debut for the Buffalo Bills on the road in L.A.? We know the Bills have lost back-to-back games in miserable fashion. Jets on Thursday Night Football, and then the Saints ran wild. Do you think this is a panic move, or do you think Peterman can bring some continuity to this offense against a Charger team that looks like Phillip Rivers will be cleared as he comes out of the concussion protocol to play? Well, looking at the fact that the Buffalo Bills are 5-4 and four and they're still in the hunt, uh, the only way you can look at this by uh, Coach Sean McDormand is this is a panic move. If you say, well, Tyrod Taylor wasn't getting it done and you're pointing all the fingers at him, then I think they need to point fingers throughout that organization. I know Rick Dennison, he's used to having drop-back quarterbacks, and Peterman fits that mold. And sometimes you struggle when you're not familiar with the type of quarterback that loves to get outside the pocket or a quarterback that's mobile, and a lot of your system is based on a quarterback being statuesque and throwing from the pocket. 
So maybe that's what they wanted all, all along. But to me, to lay all the blame on Tyrod Taylor, that's not fair. But I'm, I'm interested to see what Peterman comes in and what he brings to uh, this offense. And if the offense stalls again as though it is stalled for, for Tyrod Taylor, then what would be the excuse then? Now you have to go back to Tyrod and admit that, hey, we made a mistake. Nick, you're the best. Thanks again for filling in for Cordell yesterday. Look forward to working with you on Sunday. Are you getting any rest, partner, with that bundle of joy at home? Because I felt like you were coughing all over me last week for seven hours of our first and goal coverage as father of the year with a new no, baby. No, man. You know, I'm, I'm trying to. My wife is getting uh, less sleep than, than I am. But, uh, you know, we, we are professionals. So okay. as professionals do, you find a way to get the job done. I love your wife. I love your family. But tell them Uncle Brian can't get sick. He works a lot during football season. All right, Nick? <laughs> Hey, just bring him, some, so. bring him some Blitz Dex and, and some Diet Coke. Well, Nick sees it all for fine. seven hours. It's not pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Nick. We'll chat with you on Sunday on First and Goal. Right. Thank you, guys. Next week. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And we'll be right back with more after this. Country Roads, your all-access pass to everything Nashville. There's a lot better music selection. Marin Morris. Kenny Chesney. Florida Georgia Line. Sam Hunt. Hey, we're all Dominion. We're all we written in the sand. Plus news and interviews with your favorite country stars. Thomas Rhett. You're not giving more than you can handle, and so every day just kind of has its own challenges. I'm Kelly Sutton bringing you the hottest new country songs on Country Roads. I'm Luke Bryan cruising the country roads with you on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's check in with former NFL quarterback Aaron Murray, co-host of the Punt and Pass podcast. Aaron, before we talk about the show, let's head around the league, and we'd appreciate your perspective on what we've seen from the Steelers' offense this year. They were dominant last night dismantling Tennessee. Do you think at this stage of the season, it's pretty clear we have a huge separation with Pittsburgh and New England at the top of the AFC and just about everybody else looking up in that conference? That's so funny. I'm actually was in. Uh, I'm in Boston right now. I'm actually calling a football game tomorrow night in Fenway Park, and I was with my Uber driver, and he brought up the same question. He goes, "Who do you like?" Just randomly, and I said, "Listen, there's there's a couple teams at the top of the AFC. Obviously, Steelers, New England, Kansas City. Uh, Start off strong. They had the injury bug a little bit. Offensive line, obviously, losing Eric Berry early in the season definitely didn't help. I mean, a really big guy, and Oakland really has been a little bit disappointing this year, but." I tell you what, the Steelers are 8-2 right now. The way Big Ben's playing, um, the way Antonio's playing, I mean, those guys look good. And they look good defensively, something that these past few years they haven't been able to do. Yeah, they can score a lot of points. They can run. They can throw. But their defense has been shaky uh, these past few seasons. And this year, I think it would have been like five, six, seven games where they haven't given up over 20 points. So they've been playing better on defense uh, to go along with that great offense. Aaron, Understanding the quarterback position, give me your take on Case Keenum and, and, and how he's actually playing. Um, I know it's it's been a lot that he's gone through from a standpoint of success in the National Football League. It's been up and down, but he's playing really good right now in Minnesota. Give me your take on what you see with him and how would you handle that position moving forward with Teddy Bridgewater actually being healthy? Yeah, and then who knows how healthy Teddy is. I mean, it's always difficult coming back. With the injury, uh, especially when it's not, it's not only just being physically prepared, but being mentally prepared to understand that you know he can go out there and look great in practice and look good in seven on seven and one on one, you know all that stuff. But until you get in a live game situation when you're having to worry about guys at your legs, offensive line falling, that defensive line trying to cut you down, 
uh, having to worry about stepping into a throw, uh, and he just hasn't been in game situations in a while. So it, it's going to take him some time to get back. Obviously, lots of reps in practice, but to you get that simulation in game time, which is great during the preseason, which he's missed, and then last season as well, it's hard just to jump back in it. And right now, I don't know how you can sense. Uh, they're rolling 72. Case has been playing great. He looks good. He's confident. And uh, right now, if you're winning, stick with the guy that's been leading you. Aaron Murray is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Check out the highly entertaining and informative punt and pass podcast here on TuneIn. Aaron, you played in Kansas City, backed up Alex Smith. What do you think has led to his resurgence this season? I think, you know, I think he's been, ever since out of the Kansas City, he's always had great seasons. He does a great job protecting the football. Uh, that's what he's known for. I think this year, um, with Patrick being drafted in the first round, uh, he's kind of just said, listen, I'm just going to let it rip. <laughs> I'm just going to have fun. The chances of me coming back next year are slim. Uh, I think unless you know, they win a Super Bowl or get to you know pretty far in the playoffs and, and he continues to have a great season, maybe they'll look at keeping around again next season. But I think they're looking to the future a little bit. He understands that. And he's just going out there and just winging it. And he has all the talent. I mean, he's a smart kid. He's not a kid. He's a smart man. He's a really, really smart man. He knows how to prepare He's a strong man. He's accurate. He's extremely athletic. Uh, he has all the tools you want in the quarterback. And then also he has some great receivers. Some probably some of the best tight ends in the game on his team as well, uh, which definitely helped. And uh, like I said, I think he's just saying, "I'm going to go out there and, and whatever the consequences are, let let them you know play out." But I'm just going to have some fun. When you look at this Jacksonville's football team, they have so much potential uh, offensively. I mean, they have the pieces to to be able to compete with anyone, but there's a question mark over Blake Bortles' head. He threw two interceptions late in the game. You had a, a taunting penalty um, handed out to Marquise, Marquise Lee, and also you had another one given out to Aaron Colvin. If you were the head coach, what would you say to your football team knowing that they truly have an opportunity to be the best team within that division? Listen, they are a young team. They're a very talented team. I mean, when you have enough losing seasons, it's a good talent. I guess that's the one good thing. Uh, with the draft and the way it is, um, they're going to build and they're going to build some young, good talent. And, and then it's just a matter of keeping them around and getting the full potential out of them. And right now, number one, the AFC South, they're looking good, six and three. But it, it really is it's the little things. It's the little things that separate uh, the Patriots and everyone else. These successful teams are great every year. They're not just one hit wonders. It's being disciplined. It's playing fundamentally sound football. It's not committing stupid turnovers. It's not committing stupid penalties. Uh, so Jacksonville wants to continue taking the strides in the right direction, and, and they have been doing it so far this season. But they want to be consistent throughout this season, throughout next season, and, and moving forward with all this young talent. Uh, it starts with coaching, and it starts with the coaches making sure that they nip these little things in the bud pretty early. Aaron, you know Doug Peterson well from your time together in Kansas City and Philadelphia. How much credit does he deserve as the head coach for what's happening with Philadelphia? They're the most complete team in all of football. Yeah, I tell you what, I mean, they're just they're on fire. Uh, I really had a great opportunity to be under coach for three years. Um, I mean, it's always great when you have a coach that also played. He just understands the difficulty of, of being a player in the NFL uh, from on the field to off the field. And, and Doug does a great job of being able to relate to his guys uh, through the struggles. Um, and last year was a good year. Lost some close games. I mean, we'll start the year off 4-0. Uh, lost the fourth game to Detroit. Uh, we are winning 
had a fumble, or we would have been the first team, I think, in history to have a rookie quarterback and rookie head coach win their first four games. So he was a great coach. Uh, they got some awesome weapons for Carson this year. I think they went out and they made that priority. Like, listen, we, we invested a lot in this kid with draft picks and all that good stuff. He's a stud. He's a young kid. Now we just got to give him the weapons around him. And they got tons at, at running back. Obviously, with the big trade to the, from the Dolphins uh, a couple weeks ago, great receivers, great tight ends. Um, I mean, they really are a complete team, especially on the offensive side of the football. And then, obviously, defense has been playing well as well. Um, they're, they're, they're a tough team. Obviously, they are. They're 8-1 right now, and they're rolling. Finally, Aaron, let's talk about your terrific podcast. We had your co-host, Drew Butler, on our show last week. He said your show came together pretty organically. Did you think the program would gain such a large following this quickly? It's been fun. Uh, we really drew hit me up with the idea in, over the summer, and he's toyed around with some stuff in, in previous seasons. And and I'll, he's like, "Hey, do you want to you know kind of jump into a podcast together to cover SEC football?" And I was like, "Yeah, let's do it." Um, and the great thing for us this year, and, and I think why we've been as successful as early as we have. Um, I mean, we've only been doing it for ten weeks, and and pretty much out of my kitchen. You know, or he's on the road, I'm on the road. So we finally were in studio for the first time this past week, which was a blast. But the success of the SEC, the excitement around college football, around the playoffs, everything going on, I think has really sparked interest in our podcast. And, and we're growing every week. Uh, we have some loyal families, and we're getting more and more, and, and we look to continue to grow it. Aaron, keep it going on your show. Have a great call at Fenway Park. I'm sure that's going to be a memorable experience. We appreciate you joining us on the NFL on TuneIn. I appreciate it, guys. Have a good weekend. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Goal, exclusively on TuneIn Premium. Touchdown! From week one to week 17, jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game. We'll have home calls as teams are threatening to score. Fake it to block. Brady tosses. Touchdown! Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. Here's a touchdown. Catch NFL First and Goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern, only on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, Cordell and I tell you what we are more than sure is going to happen on the field on Sunday. It takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure. I'm more than sure. Today, rapid fire style. We'll pick every game on the schedule in three minutes. Eight early games. Divisional matchup, five and four Detroit. They've won back to back games on the road to three and six Chicago. I'm taking the Lions. How about you? I'm going with the Lions as well. Six and three Jacksonville. They've won three straight. Looking to add to the misery of the winless Browns. Jacksonville rolls. How do you see it? I tell you what, Cleveland would be a scary team to play right about now, but you know what? Blake Bortles consistently play well. Jacksonville. Four and five Baltimore on the road at five and four Green Bay. I don't believe in Brett Hundley much, but I believe in Joe Flacco less now. I'll take the Packers 
in a narrow victory because they're at home. How about you? I like the last victory played by Hundley playing against the Chicago Bears. I think he carries it over there at Lambeau Field. I'm going with Green Bay. Three and six Tampa Bay guided by Ryan Fitzpatrick on the road in Miami. Four and five Dolphins have lost three straight. They're going to snap that losing skin. I'm taking the Dolphins at home. How about you? I'm going with Jay Cutler and the Dolphins. A marquee matchup between a pair of 7-2 teams in Minnesota. Rams and Vikings are going to blow your mind on picking Minnesota as the home team, despite Case Keenum. How about you? Wow, he's going Minnesota. I'm going with him because of Case Keenum in that defense, in that running game. I love the L.A. Rams, but I think this defense prevails and slows them down just a little bit. Case Keenum becomes the star of this game. He's going back for revenge. I'm going with the Case Keenum effect. Let's go. Four and five Washington at seven and two New Orleans. The Saints will win their eighth consecutive game. I love New Orleans. How about you? Oh, and the Saints. No I'm time for singing Daniel, today. Baby. We keep moving. Six and three Kansas City coming off the bye. They're going to pound the one and eight New York football Giants. Kansas City rolls. In my view, how about you? I think Kansas City goes on the road to get a good win. I like Kansas City. Okay, Arizona with the starting debut as a Cardinal for Blaine Gabbard at four and five on the road at. Three and six, Houston. Somebody's got to win a football game here. I believe in the Arizona defense more than the battered Texans. I'm taking Arizona on the road. How about you? You know, I'm going with the Houston Texans at home. I don't think they're that battered because that team in the Arizona Cardinals struggle and Blaine Gabbard is starting. I'm going with Tom Savage. Got a minute left to pick four more games. Five and four, Buffalo at the three and six LA Chargers. Nate Peterman making his starting debut. I'm taking the Bolts at home. How about you? I am going with the Bolts as well, buddy. 3-6 Cincinnati at 3-6 Denver. Grizzly game, but I'll take the Broncos to snap their five-game losing streak. How about you? Vance Joseph helps him out. I'm going with the Bonkies, the Donkeys, the Broncos. Go ahead. 7-2 Patriots matching up with the 4-5 Raiders in Mexico City, irrespective of altitude. The Patriots are going to win their sixth consecutive game. How about you? I'm going with the Patriots. They're coming from the Air Force Academy, going to Mexico City. They're doing it. Sunday night football, 8-1 Philadelphia, 5-4 Dallas. I'll take the Eagles to win their eighth consecutive game. How about you? I'm going with the Cowboys not getting it done. I'm sticking with the Philadelphia Eagles on this one. I think they're going to fly. Eagles fly. Go ahead. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Patriots fans, Tom Brady's first audiobook, The TB12 Method, How to Achieve a Lifetime of Sustained Peak Performance, is now playing on TuneIn Premium. As I was running through my typical football training regimen, I knew one thing for sure. I'd never thrown the ball as well as I did that day. In this deeply practical athlete's Bible, listen in as the five-time champion reveals his revolutionary approach to sustained peak performance that has helped him stay at the top of his game. My ability to sustain my peak performance over the past 10 years is almost unbelievable to me. Filled with lessons learned from Brady's personal training experience, the TB12 method also advocates for more effective approaches to cognitive fitness, nutrition, and other lifestyle choices that dramatically decrease the risk of injury while amplifying performance and quality of life. TB12 method focuses on developing and maintaining something that many people have probably never heard of muscle pliability catch the tb12 method how to achieve a lifetime of sustained peak performance by tom brady on TuneIn premium today welcome back to nfl no huddle the podcast here are your hosts brian weber and cordell stewart as we close out nfl no huddle the podcast we bring you the fantasy fix fantasy football has become a major reality for millions of fans makes him off to the 30 he's gone he's gone what a move it takes skill to win your fantasy championship, separating the zeros. And he goes to the near side, and it's picked off! Intercepted! 
it. From the fantasy heroes. Down the middle, it's caught over the shoulder in the end zone. Buckle up your chin strap for the fantasy fix. Today, we're pleased to be joined once again by Dennis Farrell, fantasy football geekly. Dennis, we appreciate you taking the time. Let's go back to last night. And coming into the matchup, between the Titans and Steelers, questions about Marcus Mariota being fully healthy coming back from the hamstring injury. What was his overall fantasy profile this year and how much of an aberration was last night? Clearly, you're not going to throw four picks every time you're playing in primetime. Well, uh, unless you're Ben Roethlisberger, but uh, he didn't do it this <laughs> week, thank God. You know, Marcus was highly touted coming into the season. I had him at probably a top 11 quarterback, which clearly he's not even performing to that level. I might have him at back in top 20 for the rest of the season. And that's right around Tyrod Taylor. And that's even without him having that job right now. So I'm not very high on him. A lot of experts around the NFL don't think he's a great quarterback to begin with. But there's something wrong there. I don't know if it's the offensive system, the players around them, but it just doesn't look like it's a good fit right now. With Stephen Diggs looking like himself finally, uh, to Adam Thielen keep being a quiet assassin, does Case Keenum, is my favorite quarterback in the game, just so you know, actually start holding some value? I wish he would, but I'm a little bit worried with Teddy Bridgewater coming back. I feel like this is his job to slowly earn back, and Casey Keenum might just be lame duck right now. You know, Teddy Bridgewater was the future of this organization. Uh, you know, coming back from an injury that people didn't think he'd ever play football again. Here we are now. I think King Casey is auditioning for a backup role for next season right now, and they're just keeping that warm for Teddy Bridgewater when he comes back. Fantasy Fix being provided by Dennis Farrell, Fantasy Football Geekly. Dennis, let's talk about truly premier, elite, top-level quarterbacks. Who are your top three QBs heading into Sunday? How do we say no to Tom Brady against Oakland? Uh, that right now is my number one. I love Carson Wentz at Dallas. And Alex Smith at number three against the Giants. I just feel like this is a team that's given up, and Alex Smith is just going to pick this defense apart. Dennis, did Brent Hundley or, or even Mitchell Trubisky show you anything this weekend uh, to lead you to believe they are worth having on your roster? Boy, if I'm in a 12-team or bigger league, maybe. I would probably rather have them over a Tom Savage or a Brock Osweiler. Outside of that, not really. Ten teams are smaller. There's Joe Flacco and maybe even Andy Dalton on your waiver wire. Uh, if you're down to Trubisky or Hundley, I, you're playing for next season at this point, I think. And if we're talking about folks who could struggle, we go from the top when you went through your premier, your best three quarterbacks, I think this could trend towards the bottom. Although the Bills were high on Nathan Peterman throughout the whole draft process, merely a fifth-round pick coming out of Pitt. He had the head-to-head win over Deshaun Watson. That's not going to be important. Heading on the road to take on the Chargers, does Peterman have any fantasy value in his starting debut? I'm actually forced to use him in one of my leagues. Wow. And I don't feel – yes, uh, it's my keeper league. I had Cam Newton. Uh, he's on the bye this week. I'm forced to use him. I wouldn't recommend anyone else using him. You know, I'd almost take Blaine Gabbert right now, even though he's you know uh, Houston, uh, Casey Keenum at Los Angeles. If he's out there still, I'd probably take over him. But I would probably take Peterson Peterman over Joe Flacco at Green Bay. I, I think that's a better matchup. But I'd take Peterman over Hundley, uh, Osweiler, and Trubisky too.
With seeing the way Antonio Brown played last night, um, obviously need you to believe that Ben Roethlisberger is really trusting him. Martavis Bryant played against the Indianapolis Colts. He didn't go up to get that ball early in the game, which causes you to be a little nervous. Do you trust him at all um, now, or, or should you even start him? Week to week, I think this. I think he's almost on like a probationary period. They're going to put him in non-crucial situations, maybe work his way back in. You know, this is Juju's second in, in, behind Antonio Brown right now. He's stolen that spot from him. I'm playing Juju in every league and every week. Even you know, this week was a down week. He had a touchdown opportunity, dropped it in traffic. He was pretty close to a bigger game than he really had. But, you know, I'm, I'm taking Juju over him any day. And Antonio Brand, you're right, man. I, I, I wish I had him on my fantasy team right now. Those, this, what, three touchdowns last night? Phenomenal. He is fantasy gold, although he had been a little bit underproducing the last few weeks. It's the Fantasy Fix with Dennis Farrell, Fantasy Football Geekly. Dennis, I can understand why you're so high on Tom Brady. He's the greatest of all time, and the Raider defense has given up way too many big plays. With that as the preface, would you take a flyer on Danny Amendola? Still questionable for Sunday's game in Mexico City, but he's been getting healthier. If he's playing, yeah, why not? Only in PPR leagues against Oakland, I think he could come out with a touchdown. But his value is closely tied to uh, Chris Hogan's. When Hogan comes back, both those guys will cut into each other's value. Hogan's going to be out this week, but he's inching closer to returning. If your trade deadline's coming up, most leagues it's uh, November 22nd, maybe try to ship Amendola off to another team that could use a, a wide receiver, a team that might have Jordy Nelson is panicking. You could get a little something right now for Danny Amendola, especially if he balls against Oakland this week. But I do like him. I have him in my top 35. With Will Fuller out, what's the value for Bruce Ellington this week? I want to trust him. The matchup is prime. I'm a little bit worried. You're chasing last week's fantasy points when you go after a Bruce Ellington at this point. You don't know what to expect. This could be one of those fantasy trap games where you rush out, you pick him up, but you have to remember, you know, Tom Savage is still the quarterback there, and you don't trust him much. As I said, the matchup's prime, but hopefully you have better options out there. I think there might be a couple on the waiver wire for other teams, and it depends on the scoring of your league too, but I would probably choose to go away from him. If you have a little more of a trusted flex play, I would lean there. Dennis, as we wrap it up, tell our listeners what they're going to find when they check out Fantasy Football Geekly. You are going to find the 16th best-looking fantasy football radio host, me, telling you guys some interesting stuff like who to start, who to sit. I'm going to do it in an entertaining manner. I mean, I wowed you guys. I, you guys almost like me, so I like this. No, we, we completely like you because, remember, <laughs> one's best ability is availability. And we appreciate you being so generous with your time. Now, when you said the 16th best-looking radio host, was that your own power ranking? Was that based on the poll? How do we arrive at that conclusion? Uh, it's my own power ranking. I'm actually up three spots from last week, so I'm really working hard on breaking the top ten by next month. My okay. Man. Well, I'm the second best-looking guy in the show, and I know my role, Dennis. Dennis, we appreciate the time. Have a great weekend. We'll chat with you soon again on the NFL Thanks, on TuneIn. 
Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.